Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice, creating a groundswell of positive change in our society. I'm joined today by Richard Lundy, who leads Common Good's congregational support team. Together with his wife, Ruth, Richard also serves on the leadership team of Common Ground Church Weinberg. Richard holds a degree in psychology and theology, which has served him well working in the nonprofit sector. He has worked with teenagers in schools, orphans and vulnerable children, and within the economic empowerment division of a large NGO. Richard has a deep passion to see the people of South Africa flourish. What a joy it is to be here this evening. And uh, you've heard a range of things tonight and the incredible conclusion that every family everywhere needs a special kind of support that they can flourish so that their children can reach their God-given potential. And the incredible opportunity that exists that when churches realize this opportunity, there's an appetite. And the very fact that you are here tonight shows that there's life and there's momentum growing. And we're going to see trajectories change in the children of South Africa. Now, before I go any further, I want to open up some of God's word very briefly uh, before we get into the practical things and look at what is God's heart for little children. And so we look to the life of Jesus beautifully. When we look at Jesus, literally God with flesh on, we see God's heart for the littlest ones. So Luke chapter 18, verse 15 and 16, it will be up on the screen. It says, now they, talking about parents and the crowd that were coming around him, now they were bringing even infants to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them, the disciples to him, saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. If you want to know God's heart for children, you look at the life of Jesus with his arms wide open, ready to embrace even infants. Other translations have it as nursing children. That little children are worthy of Jesus' attention, his affection, and his care. And it raises the question for ourselves is, do we show, if you're a Christ follower, do you show the love that Christ has for little children? Do you demonstrate that to the little children around you? And it begs the very next question, the community of faith that you're in, the church that you're in, the very body of Christ that you call your spiritual home. Is it a place where families feel embraced, feel blessed, and feel loved? Is it a place where families can take their children to Jesus? Or is it a place perhaps where they are hindered from taking even infants into the arms of Jesus? I have the great privilege tonight of sharing a range of ideas and opportunities but, uh, that you can take up. But for many of you, you may be feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You may be feeling like there's just too much. Where do we even begin with the big numbers that we heard earlier? Or you might be already saying, like, stop talking and let me get at it. Let me get to those people around me that you've, you've thought about already that are in the first thousand days. So I'm going to give you some tips, some action points that you need to discern in your context what you can personally do. This is not a, a copy-paste thing that happens in every single church and every single life, but every person everywhere gets to play a part in growing greatness in South Africa. And there's four things that we'll be looking at for you in your individual life, and then shifting gear to looking at what it looks like in a church community. So the first thing to do is to grow your awareness. Look around you. Who around you is in the first thousand days season? Kind of picture yourself growing a radar, not like the BFG's ears that grow bigger to hear them, but kind of when you hear the cry of a young child, 
take, pay attention. See who is around you. Now, these people might be good friends of yours, maybe acquaintances, colleagues, employees, the person sitting next to you in the pew. They might have a lot of resources. They might be on, uh, very under-resourced. They might be connected into a community. They might be very disconnected. They might be their first, their second, their third, and in some cases, their fourth and their fifth child. Every family is unique and has a unique story. And every family needs support. So what can you do with that relationship to move towards them, to see them and build the connection? Another thing you can do is keep growing your awareness of the stage of life. Read up, keep up to date, look at our website, look at the Sukunya website, you're gonna hear more about that in a little while. You don't have to be the expert, you don't have to have a degree, you have to have a heart and a love for people in this particular stage. The next thing to do is to mobilize. Now that you know this is everybody's responsibility and opportunity to play in South Africa, mobilize others, mobilize allies to be part of people's modern day villages. Draw other people in. Who are those people that after tonight you can have conversations with? You can email them, send them the talks. Uh, you might have time and margin in your life to be part of a formal program, maybe a book sharing, maybe antenatal classes, maybe some home visiting. All of these things you'll find out more about on. But mobilize others. You're not the only one. Who can you draw in to be part of someone else's village? I see the men here tonight, I commend you. For a long time, this has always been delegated to the ladies, and I wanna commend you for stepping forward and saying, you have a role to play in growing greatness. It's a great privilege that God gives both mom and dad, males and females, grannies, grandpas, uncles, aunties, to be a village around those in this season. Now, what other opportunities exist in your space already that you can leverage and take advantage of? Be more intentional in the relationships that you have already. Again, you've heard some formal programs, but there's a whole lot of informal things you can do. You can see, you can visit, connect, pray with, love, support people in this stage. That's not a program. How about having a cup of tea? You're already cooking a meal. Why not cook one for somebody else and go and visit, and as Ange said, use all the five love languages? except for intimate touch, that's, uh, that's for another cause. <laughs> Invite families who have children into your social life. Don't exclude them, don't say they know for them. Invite them in that they feel connected and don't wait for someone to ask for help. Move in, naturally, appropriately, but move in, don't wait for someone to ask. Seize the opportunities. And fourthly, reach out. Who are those people outside of your sphere of relationship that you can be lobbying for? A fact is that in South Africa, only 8% of women exclusively breastfeed beyond six months. The workplace is distinctly unfriendly to women who want to be breastfeeding and expressing. What can you do in your workplace to make a first thousand day friendly workspace? That can have an impact, not just on your friends, but on many, many people perhaps you'll never even meet, but you can make a difference. Now you'll notice there's an acronym up there, A-M-O-R, which is a French word for, for love, amour. Uh, if you think that's particularly cheesy, um, you, can, you can arrange the letters. The men recommended that I call it Rambo and just take the B out if that's more helpful for you to remember. But those four things about growing your awareness, finding and making opportunities, mobilizing allies and reaching out to others is about all of us creating a loving, supportive environment around those in this unique season of life. So let's slow down for a bit. I am sure that as you've gone through tonight, you've thought of those people that are in the first thousand days. Faces have come up. I want you to think and, and jot down in your, in your reflective book, what is your next step? 
What can you do tomorrow with what you've learned tonight towards that family in this particular season? I'm not going to give you 10 seconds. Something probably has already popped out already, but take a moment to jot that down that tomorrow you can look at and action it. Now I'm going to shift gears and focus on church for a little bit. How do we lead churches towards becoming first thousand days friendly? And I'm going to speak to pastors and ministry leaders and life group leaders for a little while. If you're not in that space, you can listen in and perhaps start conversations with your leaders if they're not here today. Um, But I have to confess, when I first was exposed to the first thousand days, I didn't have a passion for it. But as the research conducted by Ruth and her team started to reveal its findings, I became convinced, convicted, I would say, more than ever, that this is something that the church can do. This isn't another program. It's the very fabric of Christian community that we get to one another each other in a specific season of life. The church is positioned to demolish isolation, to annihilate it, to banish it. That any person feeling isolated and disconnected and unseen the church can step in and be family in a beautiful, unique way. And it's tragic to see how many families step out of Christian community when they have a child. They're entrenched in community and then they disappear. And a time when they need the most connection, the most support, the most love is a time when they feel the most isolated and disconnected and unseen. And this is why, as Sarah shared, this is a critical pastoral care issue that as leaders, you move towards the unique needs of the sheep in this season. Now, I'm certain if you're a spiritual leader in, in some kind of faith community, you're asking yourself the question, are you asking me to do more? <laughs> it's a natural question. It's an understandable question. And my answer for that is both yes and no. You see, we believe that caring for and connecting with people is not only the role of the pastoral staff or the pastoral team of a church. This is something that everybody gets to play in. But I would say that the unique role of a leader is to mobilize, catalyze, ignite, encourage, teach people to connect the dots and get active themselves. So I'm gonna share again along the the Rambo framework what, what this means for a church community. And again, if you're leading a life group or a small group or a Bible study or leading a church as a pastor, these are things that you can integrate into your spiritual community. Firstly, build awareness. Look around. Again, build that radar. Look for the pregnancies and the young lives that are growing around you. Uh, we have one of our congregational leaders that we've challenged a fair amount around this material. And he decided at the beginning of the meeting to wait at the front door and welcome people as they came in. Now, normally when the first worship song comes on, the people welcoming team goes on and they sing, right? That's, that's typical. He decided to wait a little longer and see who was late. And along comes a family in the first thousand days, two young, young children, and they look haggard, look like they had no sleep. And in that moment, he had a choice. I was joking about who was seeing as be late, but he had a choice in that moment to either shame them for being late or recognize the unique season they're in. And the words that came out of his mouth was, well done for getting here. Well done for all that year to get done this morning. Well done that you could be here this morning. Thank you for being here. And the family went from being trying to slink in the back, not wanting to be known as that family that's always late, to being seen and acknowledged and embraced. Simply by growing awareness, this pastor knew how to better love and support and care for families in his space. At the same time, we'd encourage you to explore and read up on what what are the the barriers to families feeling connected in in your community, in your church and in your context? What is forcing people or feels like forcing people out of Christian community? Lean in that you can explore and bring your leadership muscle to that. 
The next thing is to mobilize people in your church. This is probably the, the biggest secret weapon that you can have is build a team of ministry leaders who can explore this space and lead into this. They are your greatest allies. They're gonna be the people who talk to the parents and discover what's really going on, not what they tell the pastor, but what's really going on. And they're gonna be the people who come back with wonderful suggestions from as simple as a jug of water in the mom's feeding room to long, complex, hard things to press into. So discern with that team what, you can, what steps you can take in your community to surround people in a loving environment. Next thing is to find and make opportunities for families to be surrounded by other families. Connect dots for people. As you've, your eyes are open to this content tonight, use your sermon illustrations, use baby dedications, use those announcements when a pregnancy or birth is made. Uh, send materials to your life or small group or Bible study leaders around texts that deal with God's heart for little children. Don't rely on your ministry team or the, the people that work with children to hold the heart for young people for the entire church. This is something that every single one of us gets to plan to connect dots, mobilize people, call more out of them that we can one another each other in this season. And I have, that, that, there's a timer there if you're unaware of it. That is a very judgmental timer. In our congregation in Weinberg, we have a, a place that was rebranded very recently. It used to be called the Mom's Room, now it's the Mom's and Dad's Room. Quite significant, because before it was told dads are not allowed here. Now we say dads are allowed here. And rather than simply having an audio feed of the sermon, we have a facilitated space, just like Michelle shared from the Bay City Church, where parents are not feeling like they're punished because they're sent to the, we find some parents doing this, like who's going to take the baby to the moms and dads room this week? So suddenly saying we want to be part of there because we've seen, we're acknowledged, we, we held and we built into. What can you do with what you already have? This isn't about starting another program, but utilizing what you already have. And fourthly, reach out. Even as you focus on growing greatness inside your congregation, Look outside the four walls of your building. What suburb are you in? What community are you in? Where are the nearby maternity clinics? How can you be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that perhaps has never experienced his love? Maybe you have a, a physical space like the Bay City does and open it up for an antenatal class. Could it be that people in the surrounding area in this season of life who are desperate for love and connection and community experience the love of Christ for the first time inside your church building? Perhaps they would never come to a Sunday meeting, but they would come to an antenatal class. I encourage you, explore that. On Mother's Day this year, we had a range of congregations recruit some volunteers to go and visit mothers in, in maternity wards in a range of different hospitals around Cape Town. A simple thing, but a significant demonstration that a church doesn't exist for itself, it exists for the glory of God and the benefit of others. Beautiful way to draw people in to community. A missional frontier in the first thousand days. Now, pastors, you may be feeling like you've, I've given you some homework to do, so I encourage you, discern what your next step is and just take one step at a time. Listen, discern, and take one step. And this will ensure that your congregation is a space where every family loves to visit and invite other families in that particular space. It will be the space where young families are seeing the shining light of the church, the salty salt, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 and encounter the powerful love and connection and community and family that is the local church. My hope for us tonight is that we all take steps going forward in creating the loving community that Jesus intended his body to be. 
You see, we get to be the body of Christ. And we get to, like in Mark 10 and Luke 18, we get to embrace and bless the little ones in our midst. We get to demonstrate the love of Jesus to a watching world. We get to be the village around those in the season, and we get to grow greatness for God's glory and the benefit of others. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za, including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content, and volunteer opportunities. Bye for now.